everyone. Welcome to the BreastCancer.org podcast. I'm Jamie DiPolo, Senior Editor at BreastCancer.org. Today, we have Dr. Ashish Khanna, MD, as our guest. He's a physical medicine and rehabilitation specialist at the Kessler Institute for Rehabilitation and part of the Revital Cancer Rehabilitation Program. Dr. Khanna completed his residency in physical medicine and rehabilitation at the Kingsbrook Jewish Rehabilitation Institute in Brooklyn, New York, where he became interested in cancer rehabilitation early on. He completed his fellowship subspecialization in cancer rehabilitation at MedStar Georgetown University and the National Rehabilitation Hospital in Washington, D.C. He specializes in the treatment of people who have pain or functional issues as a result of cancer or cancer treatments, including people who have been diagnosed with breast cancer. This includes pain, shoulder issues, fatigue, joint pain from aromatase inhibitors, and other issues. He has lectured at numerous international conferences, has published peer-reviewed research on a variety of related topics, and is the co-author of an upcoming book on cancer rehabilitation. Today, he joins us to talk about breast cancer-related fatigue and how it can be managed and treated. Dr. Kana, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. We're excited to have you uh, because we get a lot of questions on our discussion boards about fatigue. And so that leads me to my first question. It seems that almost all breast cancer treatments, surgery, radiation, chemotherapy, hormonal therapies, targeted therapies, they all have fatigue as a side effect. And I, I believe I've read that it's the most common cancer side effect. So could you tell us what exactly fatigue is and how it's different from being tired and why do so many treatments cause it? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, thanks again. Yeah. So, um, yeah, fatigue is, um, like, as you mentioned, the most common, um, cancer related sort of complaint, um, that that's really out there. Um, and I guess I'll, I'll talk a little bit about how is, well, well let's start, I guess, with what, how, what is cancer related fatigue? Um, in general, it's definitely not the same as regular fatigue. Um, you know, all of us are familiar with regular fatigue when we didn't get a good night's sleep, or in my case, I uh, just had a baby, and uh, so I'm, I'm familiar with a different type of fatigue. That's that's the type of fatigue that a good cup of coffee can uh, help with. Um, this, but um, cancer-related fatigue is different than that. And I think the biggest one of the biggest barriers I see is that people don't really feel like mm-hmm. cancer-related. Uh, you know, cancer-related fatigue is a real thing or that, you know, they just feel fatigued and that's something that they ignore. But cancer-related fatigue actually is an actual diagnosis and we do have some understanding of what that is or what causes it and what it is. So people who have that should understand that, you know, they are not alone and that this is a very common thing. So hopefully, you know, as we go through this today, we're going to talk about that and people can, you know, feel like, you know, they're not they're not the only ones in the, in the world who have this problem and that there are solutions to it. So I appreciate you, you know, uh, you know, I appreciate you um, bringing awareness to this topic for sure. Um, so like I said, cancer-related fatigue is different than regular fatigue. Um, the defi- There are a lot of different definitions in the literature. And of course, when you have lots of different definitions, it makes the research sort of, um, you know, a little bit more difficult because we can't all agree on exactly what the diagnostic criteria for that is. Uh, I use um, a definition where I call I, I would call it cancer-related fatigue when it lasts greater than two weeks. Um, if you fatigue, if you feel fatigue more than two weeks, and you feel it every day, 
Um, one of the big differences between regular fatigue is that you feel fatigued out of proportion to exertion. So if you didn't get a good night's sleep, you may be tired throughout the day, but you're not more tired than you would usually be. So for example, I have, I had one patient who feels, you know, every time they get up to turn on the light switch, they feel like they walked around the block, you know, something like that. So that that's out of proportion to exertion, um, to the amount of energy they put into a task. Um, it is, uh, associated with a distress or a loss of function. So it has to impact your life in some way. Um, of course, it has to be associated with a cancer diagnosis or chemotherapy or something like that. And then the other one is just to make sure that's not, uh, that the fatigue you're having is not explained by any sort of other diagnosis. Because a lot of other things cause um, fatigue. Also, if you're anemic, you have a low, you know, blood counts low, that can cause you to be fatigued. Um, unfortunately, a lot of people have depression that can make you fatigued. Uh, hypothyroidism, right? If you, you know, if you need to be on thyroid medications, that can cause fatigue. So part of my role as a physician who specializes in this type of thing is just to make sure that you don't have something else um, that's causing the fatigue. Cause you know, it would really be sort of a tragedy. And I've seen this too, when, you know, we're, we're treating people for cancer related fatigue and you know, their, their thyroid was, you know, not functioning as well the whole time. And, you know, it's a different style, different type of treatment for that, of course. Um, yeah, so that's, that's the, that, that's would be, you know, kind of the, the difference out of those. I think the out of proportion to exertion is one of the big things, um, uh, that, that I think make, distinguishes it. Why do so many of the treatments cause fatigue? Is it just because they're so hard on the body? The biggest thing that we understand to be causing fatigue um, at this uh, at this stage, our, our understanding is that inflammation is probably the number one thing that causes it. Um, it's inflammation, you know, it's like your body's response to infection or injury. Um, and your body makes these different kinds of uh, molecules. They're called uh, cytokines. Um, and those are circulating throughout your body. Um, and those have a lot of local effects and they can have a lot of systemic effects as well. Um, so we have, you know, cancer in its treatment. You have the tumor itself, you have the metastases, there's the chemotherapy, there's a lot of the psychological stress that comes with it, then surgery, radiation, all these kinds of things will uh, cause an increase in inflammation in your body. Um, and that can impact a high level of inflammation can impact your sleep wake cycle. So you have uh, less sleep efficiency, we call it more time awake, uh, it takes you longer to fall asleep. That kind of thing can then influence your cortisol levels, um, your uh, your what we call the glucocorticoid sensitivity, things like that, um, and your response to stress um, can actually, which of course you have at this point, um, can be dulled. I guess you could say, um, and all those kinds of things form like a, a cycle, so they feed into each other. As you have more inflammation, it causes decreased sleep, flattened cortisol response that causes more inflammation, which causes you to have even worse sleep. So you know that's it's a like, sort of a cycle like that. Um, and I was talking about how this you know it really is a real thing, and we can actually see these on uh, brain scans too as well. So we see, um, um, you know, if you draw the blood of somebody who has cancer-related fatigue. Um, or anyone with a high with a high inflammatory uh, state, they're going to have a lot of those pro-inflammatory kind of cytokines in their blood, indicating they have a lot of inflammation going on. Um, and then when you scan the brain, you can actually see um, that they have a, a decreased like brain metabolism happening at that particular time, and that can last up to one year. In the studies, it probably lasts much longer than that. 
Um, but you can actually see in a part of the brain this uh, one study that uh, I'm referring to in the inferior frontal cortex, an area where we make decisions and do, you know, plan, what we call executive functioning, planning, things like that. Um, you actually see less activity in the brain happening. So it is, you know, it is a very real thing. It's not something that, um, you know, it can be written off. Um, and I, I wanted to mention also how, the, uh, how it's the most common uh, side effect, uh, most common side effect of cancer, cancer treatment too. Um, since you mentioned that, so it's, it, it, um, it occurs, they say in about 60 to 96% of patients during their treatment. Right. So that's, you know, the vast majority of that, like six or six to nine out of 10 people will have that problem. Um, and not only that, it can persist for months or years also. So, uh, there was one study that shed, said that a third of breast cancer survivors continued to have fatigue one to five years later, um, and some have them even 10 years or more. So it's not something that, um, you know, a lot of people, I have a lot of people, well, I, you know, I finished my chemotherapy a month ago, but I'm still feeling tired, you know, that kind of thing, or even a year ago. Um, so it's important to remember that, you know, just even after you finish your treatments, you still can have those issues. Especially, too, with uh, it looking like so many people, if they've been diagnosed with hormone receptor positive breast cancer, then they're on some sort of hormonal therapy for five or ten years even right. after. Yeah. So that's a long time. And I'm sure that also affects all the different cycles in the body that you're talking about to yep. could possibly yep. cause fatigue. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. That's a great point. Yeah, for sure. So I have a, I'm curious, you mentioned that anemia can cause fatigue and I know some of the breast cancer treatments can cause anemia. Um, so I guess what I was wondering, can a person, him or herself kind of figure out if they have fatigue or they're just tired or is it really better if they're feeling tired a lot, like you said, say maybe for two weeks straight, should they go to the doctor and say, look, I'm tired all the time. I need to figure out what's going on. Yeah. You would report fatigue to your oncologist. If you feel like you're having fatigue, then that's something that definitely the oncologist um, would be the first line um, to, you know, to evaluate and assess you for that. Um, the, um, the, uh, unfortunately, a lot of the oncologists don't ask about fatigue. Um, there's a, when I, when when I sometimes when I talk about fatigue, I mentioned there was an interesting study from 2000. Um, from the oncologist point of view, pain is more significant than fatigue. So the oncologists ask about pain, but uh, when they interviewed the patients, the actually fatigue is their number one complaint. So the oncologists, and you know, as as all medical professionals, of course, obviously I'm guilty about this. Too. We ask about, uh, you know, are you feeling any pain? You know, pain, pain, pain is a very common question, but nobody asks about fatigue that often. So if you uh, even though, like I said, from the patient perspective, the fatigue has in impacted their life more than pain. Um, but uh, yeah, you can, you definitely should speak to the uh, oncologist about that and um, and ask them to see if, you know, if they can do some kind of uh, fatigue workup, um, you know, which would include a thyroid pain. It can, I don't, you know, don't, you know it and a lot of pa patients who are undergoing cancer treatments, of course, you know, they're getting their blood drawn every, every other day. It feels like sometimes they're human pin cushions, but so a lot of these labs, of course, will already be done. But, um, and, uh, you know, if you're, if, but if, if you're talking about, you know, six months or one year later, maybe nobody has checked your blood in, uh, you know, a, a couple months or something like that. So, um, yeah, and then screening for depression too. You know, an oncologist may not be able to do that, but you know, if uh, if you're feeling sad, you're not feeling, you know, don't feel hopeful about the future, those kinds of things, you should definitely seek help for that. 
because those go hand in hand. So the bottom line really is if you're feeling this way, definitely bring it up to your doctor, even if your doctor doesn't ask about it. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that's, yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. And like I said, chances are they won't ask about it, unfortunately. My next question is, which I'm sure is what everybody really, really wants to know is, so how do you manage or treat fatigue? Are there medicines? Are there, you know, just taking more frequent naps? Uh, are there some, you know, alternative things like yoga? Does, are there diet things that you can do? What, how do you approach that when you're trying to, to make it better? So there are a lot of, that's a great question. So there are a lot of different um, treatments for fatigue. Um, one, of the, uh, one, one of the big ones that we um, recommend would really be exercise. Now exercise for fatigue, exercise has the highest level of evidence in the treatment of fatigue. So it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really difficult to ask a person who's fatigued to exercise, but um, really that's one of the best uh, interventions that we have that we know and can work. Um, and I can talk a little bit about, you know, what kind of exercise that you, we need to be, you know, that I recommend to patients and things like that, if you like. Yeah, that would be great. Okay, great. Yeah. So, um, basically, so exercise, exercise in general has been shown to, uh, in a lot of different studies, I think it's pretty well established that patients who exercise during their treatments or afterwards have lower levels of fatigue. Um, particularly uh, 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 during and then particularly after the treatment as well. Now, you can do exercise at home or at the gym. That's shown to have a a small uh, but definite definite, improvement in fatigue. One of the best ways to do is to do a supervised aerobic exercise program. Um, And that would be, you know, if you wanted to go to the local YMCA or find a live strong sort of trainer who specializes in cancer, that's one way to do it. Uh, The other way to do it that I sort of encourage is to find a physical therapist in your area. You know, insurance will cover the physical therapist and they can uh, design a custom exercise program for you. And how important is it for someone to look for a trainer who has experience with people who've been diagnosed with cancer. I know there's actually, I believe the, and I'm gonna get the name of the professional organization incorrect, but the, the, the professional organization for trainers, for athletic trainers, I believe they have a cancer specialization. Now, how, how important is that in, in your mind? Um, I, th- I think if you can find one in your local area, then that, that would be the person to go to, in my opinion. Um, I, I don't work with a whole lot of trainers. I work a lot more closely with physical therapists um, who also have their own oncology specialization. But any any sort of professional with a, uh, additional training, I think, in cancer and understands the, you know, the side effects of these types of things and understands what fatigue is and how to treat it, I think would be of value. You know, if you're lucky enough to live uh, in, in a place where you have the access to those resources, I would certainly seek them out. Um, but, um, you know, if, if uh, I, I, yeah, so, but I mean, the, the physical therapist can certainly, um, and the trainers too, can come up with something that works for you. Of course, if you're, like I said, I mean, it's, it's a, you have a hard time convincing somebody who is so easily fatigued to do exercise, but um, any little, anything that you can do really helps. I mean, the, the, if you can do it, the, the actual <clears throat> guidelines would say that if you can do 150 minutes a week, of moderate intensity aerobic exercise is what you can do. And that can that doesn't have to be, I'm not talking about jogging or running, even a brisk walk. Moderate exercise really would be, uh, I tell people moderate exercise would be where you're exercising, but you're not so out of breath. You can still hold a conversation. If you can walk briskly and, you know, to the point where you can still hold a conversation, you know, and if you can do that, um, you know, for, uh, you know, 
three days a week for an hour or something like that, then um, that would that would you, that that does show the study showed benefits with just doing that. If you can you can do another two days a week of like a strengthening exercise or something like that, um, that adds to it. And if you're able to do vigorous exercise. Um, then, you know, that's more power to you. That's even better. But uh, for a lot of the fatigue patients, I tell them, you know, if, uh, it's like, you know, the guidelines 150 minutes a week. So if you can, you know, do, um, you know, an hour, three days a week. And is there, um, with exercise, because I know, as you said, sometimes it can be really difficult for somebody who is so fatigued to even think about exercising. But so I guess I'm wondering in your experience, how long does it take before someone may start seeing the benefits of that where they may start feeling less fatigued because they're say walking an hour four days a week in my experience pretty soon i think yeah i I, you know i I usually i ask the you know patients to give this a shot and the ones who are able to do it i think they come back when i see them you know one month or two weeks later saying that they do feel a little bit better okay well that's great because then you know if somebody sees immediate results and they're more i think anyway it's it's a little bit easier to do because you know you're not going to be waiting like oh i have to do this for six months before i see any benefits yeah right exactly yeah yep for sure so exercise is definitely the biggest uh, what we say, you know, category one or level one evidence um, for that. There, there are other one. There are other options for treatment too. There are the pharmacologic treatments um, as well. Those are what we call the psychostimulants. So a lot of people have heard of something uh, like Ritalin, which is methylphenidate, um, or modafinil, which we call pro, which is known as Provigil. Also, so there are some uh, good studies showing that there could be some benefit to taking those kinds of things. Um, so, I mean, the uh, <clears throat> I don't usually, uh, to be honest with you, I don't prescribe those too often. A lot of people are already on so many medications, they're not really interested in adding another one. But for people, I would say with a profound fatigue, those kinds of things can make a can make a big difference. Um, and there's some there's some experimental kind of uh, treatments down the pipeline too that can that can kind of block some of those inflammatory cytokines and things like that. Um, that hopefully, you know, we'll have better treatments someday. Those are coming down the pike here too. Yeah. And then, then beyond that, I'll say there are other psych, there are a lot of uh, psychological interventions too. Uh, those are primarily designed to, you know, provide information. I'm talking about counseling now, essentially. Right. So, I mean, those are designed to provide information. They can <clears throat> reduce stress, help you, uh, improve coping. They can give you some coping strategies, uh, give you some social support and things like that. And studies have shown that that helps. And I've, I've seen some firsthand, um, I've seen that firsthand work as well. Um, la- yeah, lastly, a lot of patients ask me about some of what we call the complementary and alternative treatments too. So um, <clears throat> I'm not sure if you're going to ask about that too. A lot of people do. That's Those, those are things like acupuncture, Tai Chi. Those- yeah, that, that was exactly my next question. Like has, has acupuncture or anything like that been shown to help? Yeah, it has. You know, the acupuncture literature is kind of mixed on a lot of different topics. <clears throat> but um, I do recommend acupuncture. A lot of insurances don't pay for that. That may be something that, you know, you'll have to pay out of pocket. But um, yeah, I do. I do recommend those kinds of things. You know, you, you can give it a shot and see if that works for you. And I, I've seen it work for a number of people. What about diet? Is changing your diet help at all? Or is there any research on that? Um, I don't, I'm not aware of anything regarding diet. I mean, I think um, as, as long as people are sort of eating, um, you know, a balanced diet with uh, protein and things like that, then I think that's um, really the, the, the best that you can do with that. Okay. Okay. Just curious. Yeah. No, that's a good question. 
I, I, I'm not aware of that. If, uh, hopefully somebody can uh, correct me on that. But Now, what about, I guess I'm wondering, this seems like, maybe a silly question, but what about just taking naps? Does that ever help? I mean, I know you said exercise is the number one thing, but does, does napping help at all or does it really just make it worse? So that is a good, that is a good question. That's a complicated question too. Um, a lot of people um, with cancer-related fatigue, a, a lot of them, not all, feel more energized at some point in the day and then they feel really tired at another time of the day. So maybe like say early afternoon patients have a bit of a crash i guess you could say um so the, what we're talking about is like daytime napping um if i would say if i tell people if you need to do it then that's fine um you know we try not to do that you know one of the, the principles of what's called sleep hygiene is to not nap too much during the day that so you can sleep well at night um but for those for those you know we we try not to do that too much but if you're able, you know if that if you find that that helps you then um then that's great then you know you can continue to do that um, one of the another hallmark of cancer-related fatigue just came to mind too that I didn't mention earlier would be that people who, uh, with regular fatigue, of course, when you take a nap, you wake up and you feel much better. But a lot of times, people with a cancer-related fatigue don't feel refreshed after a nap, um, and that's another way that you you know I can you know tell tell if somebody is feeling like a true kind of cancer-related fatigue. Finally, kind of to wrap up, if we if we could kind of put this in a nutshell, so if someone thinks they're having cancer-related fatigue. Is there a series of steps that you'd recommend that they go through? I mean, if they, should they talk to their doctor first or if they're pretty sure that's what's going on, should they try to increase their exercise or how, is there an order? What would you recommend? I would say the, I would say if, I would say you could, you could probably speak to your oncologist about it. Yeah, certainly. And see, tell them that, you know, you'd like to get some kind of uh, supervised um, exercise or have someone design an exercise program for you. Um, and they can uh, hopefully point you in the right direction. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm somebody who specializes in this sort of thing, and you know, in the, as you mentioned in the introduction, um, who specializes in this kind of thing. I wish there were more of us out there. There really are not um, uh, uh, those of us who specialize in this type of thing. Um, but otherwise, you know, hopefully you have an oncologist that can point you in the right direction. Um, and, um, you know, I'm happy to give you some resources or something like that if you don't already have it on the site. But um, I think for just to help reduce the fatigue, you know, just to kind of uh, empower yourself, really. I mean, the, the first step I would do is sort of educate the people around you um, that cancer related, that you have fatigue, cancer related fatigue, if you want to call it that, that you have fatigue, you know, it is real and you can educate your family and have things, pe the people around you that what, what exactly that entails. Um, I think setting up a daily routine, um, if you can, that lets you be active when you feel your best. So I try to, to tell patients to spread out um, the tasks that they need to accomplish throughout the day. And a lot of people, like I said, they feel more active and more energetic at certain times of the day and less so. So, you know, you got to be uh, try to, you know, be aware of that. Yeah, if journaling or keeping a log helps, then that's great. You can mark how you feel at different hours of the day. And the idea is that you just kind of want to pace yourself, right? Um, you know, as you mentioned, regular, light, moderate intensity exercise helps. Try to get some fresh air every day. A lot of people I know are cooped up and things like that. Um, as we mentioned, eating a balanced diet, uh, protein, you know, you want to make sure that you get protein from meat or milk or eggs, uh, legumes, peas, beans, things like that. Um, I, I encourage people to stay hydrated, 8 to 10, standard 8 to 10 glasses of water a day. Um, this, of course, only, only if you're, only, you know, you can clear that with your doctor. 
Um, and if you're, you know, of course, if you're, if you are doing the exercise and you're sweating or you live in a hot environment, then you're going to need more than eight or 10 glasses a day, but, uh, try to, you know, stay hydrated. Um, other, other symptoms contribute to fatigue too. If you can, uh, you know, if you can manage the pain better, uh, if your nausea can be, uh, better under control, or if you can get a treat, uh, get treated for any sort of like depression or some things like that, that would definitely help. Um, I recommend that people find, you know, if, if you, things that you use commonly throughout the day, keep them within easy reach. <laughs> um, uh, that's a, that's a big one. Those are, these are what we call like energy conservation strategies. And like I said, a physical or occupational therapist, um, particularly occupational therapists, I think for energy conservation uh, techniques, they know a lot of those types of things. So that's a great person to reach out to for that sort of stuff. Um, and you know, if, and, and, you know, enjoying hobbies, find things that are pleasurable for you, you know, um, using relaxation techniques, um, anything to kind of help reduce stress a little bit. Um, and then, like I said, you want to balance your activity with rest so that you're not, so that you're able to sleep at night. So not too much napping if you can help it. Um, and then, you know, to, you know, just to wrap up, like I said, you know, that this is, it is a real, so cancer related fatigue is a real thing. We see activity in the brain. Um, as evidence of that. And it's important that, you know, you, you ask for help, you know, if you need it. Well, thank you so much. That, that's that been really helpful. So I guess to me, my takeaways are, and you tell me if this is right, that people need to recognize that it's a real thing. They need to talk to their doctor right away. And they really need to think about exercising because that has the most evidence shown to be helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And if you have trouble or you don't know what to do, then certainly reach out to a, an exercise professional who can help you make something customized to you. Excellent. Dr. Kanda, thank you so much. This has been really helpful. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thanks for uh, bringing this topic uh, some awareness. That's great.